I don't even know how I have 40 followers on Twitter, to be honest with you. We're talking sports. I got two. Oh, you have two now. With a couple of guys you've never even heard of. I don't really understand it. It's, It's crazy. It's moving the goalposts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts. I'm your host, Nick Marr, joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. We're also joined by producer extraordinaire, Andrew Me and what's up? Good and you? Not so bad. <laughs> there we go. We finally got it. Perfect. I had to like think to myself for a second. I was like, oh, crap. What do they say? How Good am you? I? <laughs> Good how are you now? Good and you? Not oh, not so bad. bad. Oh, okay. Oh, I got it. I'm going to make Mary anyway, another fantastic weekend of NFL football conference championship weekend. We had maybe I, I've seen some people saying out there in the, in the Twitter verse that this has been the greatest postseason in modern NFL history. I don't know if I can necessarily say that beyond a reasonable doubt, but in recent memory, I would certainly say that the games have been more exciting. They've been closer this is going to be the first time we're having two uh, teams from each conference seated, I believe, four or lower making the Super Bowl. So it's really been anybody's game. But why don't we tip things off with what we started with yesterday, which is the AFC Championship game. Cincinnati was visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City, 12-5, and five, hosting their fourth straight AFC Championship game. Cincinnati coming in 10-7. and seven winning their first two playoff games in what, what's it been like 30 years since they had even won a playoff game. Uh, and Super Bowl was what? 88. Yeah. And, and now it seems like we've got uh, the new boogeyman in Joe Burrow. This guy's just going to come in and, and ruin everybody's dreams. Or I guess in hindsight with him eliminating the chiefs and getting rid of Patrick Mahomes and Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes. Maybe actually more like uh, the Grim Reaper. Mm. Yeah, Times I, are the most grim. Be the Grim Reaper. Joe Burrow. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where you guys want to start as far as how this game went. Obviously, Kansas City was winning at the half by 18. Right, it was twenty-one to three at the half, I believe. Yep, yep. So familiar, Patriots score in a conference championship game on the road, though. Cincinnati was able to come back and win the game in overtime. Uh, Mike, I didn't get an opportunity to watch all of the game, but I did tune in to the second half of the fourth quarter and all of overtime. And it doesn't seem like Patrick Mahomes really had that Mahomesian trait to him this year um i don't know if you saw anything in particular or, or if maybe this is a sign that kansas city is not going to be uh the the dominant team that we thought they were going to be for for decade to come but you know coming out of the afc championship game uh i, I want to know from both of you guys what are your thoughts about kansas city and their and their the threat that they pose going forward and now are we going to have to take Cincinnati serious as a contender? Yeah, I think this game was a pretty much a, like a tale of two halves for for Patrick Mahomes. He looked lights out in the first half. Like everybody had said, this game seems like it's over because they had the Bengals on the ropes. And then you go into like that final two minute drill. Patrick Mahomes throws a ball behind the line of scrimmage when you have no timeouts and there's like six seconds, and they don't get in the end zone. They don't have a timeout. The play just stands and uh, you see Patrick Mahomes trying to call a timeout after the play. So clearly he thought he had something there that he didn't. Uh, Maybe that's another example of Andy Reid's clock management affecting everybody else now. Um, But I I, I do think Kansas City, it's going to keep getting harder year and year after like once once that those that money comes due for all these big players, like you're it's going to get harder to keep getting back there. And I do think obviously Patrick Mahomes is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best, but it, it's getting tougher and you have a ton of quarterbacks who are going to be competing with you. Joe Burrow looked uh, 
unfazed. I, I mean, we should have known he was going to win that game the second he walked in wearing what he wear, <laughs> walked in with. Uh, he's just, he's the coolest guy in the league. The way I looked at it from a, a Patriots fan or Patriots uh, supporter, like they have two receivers that would be by far in a way the best receivers the Patriots have had on their roster. Like the Patriots have three Tyler Boyds. I was um, I was just about to say I think they have three receivers because if you threw t- if it was Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and and Jamar Chase, like all three of those guys, right? Like Tyler Tyler Boyd would be your number one here, and, and what Joe Burrow has to work with, it's great, and they do need uh, an offensive lineman. This is going to be scary coming up in the Super Bowl to see what Aaron Donald and Von Miller and and Leonard Floyd do to this offensive line, but they're. They they have built a team pretty successfully, uh, and Joe Burrow's done it all by himself, pretty much. Me and are you buying in on Joe Burrow now? Uh, on Burrow, yes, because I think he showed yesterday. I think he showed you know some nails, showed some balls. Didn't didn't really back out. Uh, another example of when your team shows up and gets the other team to punt, and gets the offense the ball back. Won't won't get into that rabbit hole, but just saying. Just saying. Uh, but I am buying in on Burrow. On the Bengals, I think they were clearly the more competitive team yesterday. I think they were the better team yesterday. But they, but they have, in the last two games, they have had to have things kind of fall their way. So, like, against the Titans, he was sacked nine times, and they still won. Because Tannehill still sucks. And just co- like coaching decisions. I mean, the only really one that comes off the top of my head was Frable, you know, trying to go for it, go for uh, go for two on their first scoring drive. But again, you know, it's just other teams finding ways to lose. And yesterday, it's you know we're getting a little too greedy on you know at the at the end of the half, and we're throwing you know in the uh, behind the line of scrimmage to Tyree Kill. And credit, I mean, credit, you stopped the fastest guy in the league. Credit to the Bengals defense that was a huge stop, and that's where the momentum shift changed. When it became 21 to 3, I was like, that's it. You got your AFC championship game last week between the Bills and the Chiefs. That's it. This is going to be a blowout. That was a huge change of momentum. And that was stupid on the Chiefs' part. Take the kick. You get the ball back in the second half. Like, take three points and just get over with it. But uh, yeah, I think they got too greedy with it. Um, I think towards the end of the game, the uh, end of the second half with the game winning drive, I think they got way too conservative and trying to kill too much time. And it really bit them in the ass. They got, again, just way too conservative with it and trying to score, taking too much time up. Should have just got in the end zone and kind of trusted that you would have been able to stop Burrow. Yeah, I, I think going back however many weeks, it might have been about like halfway through the season when we did our uh, contenders and pretenders episode. And, and, and my big theme, my theme has always been as far as a team's ability to win championships. It's normally going to come down to the coach and the quarterback. And we've seen Joe Burrow grow up before our eyes in this postseason. The the adversity that he's been faced with and what he's been able to overcome. Like you said, going back to that game against Tennessee, getting sacked nine times. Physically, it's obviously going to have an effect on you. Mentally, it's going to have an effect on you. So to still be able to come out with the victory, I think is very impressive. I don't know how much I really believe in Zach Taylor, though. I I think that Cincinnati has maybe not won in spite of Zach Taylor, because I think that he's done a very good job of changing the uh, mentality that is the Bengals. But I also think that majority of that credit goes to Burrow. I think that Burrow has a swagger, confidence that is infectious, and the rest of the team is picking up on. It's it's the type of attitude that a starting quarterback has to have when you know maybe you are the underdog. And Cincinnati's been the underdog in every game that they played so far. I don't, I don't yeah. care what the line was against the Raiders. They they were there's no way that a team that hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years was going to be favored to win, uh, even if it was a game at home. I mean, there were questions about them at the beginning of the season, too, where they kind of like they started off hot in the middle of the season. They're kind of like, yeah, back and forth between winning and losing and not seeming as consistent. The only other the other thing, too, I didn't like about this team is we're smoking cigars after we win the division. Like, I know it's like I know it's a while since they've won the division and Zach Taylor's crying in his you know press conference. It seemed like we were just celebrating 
to me a little too soon. I was like, let's not get too confident yet. Like, I don't know. That's what I didn't like about it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually agree with you. A hundred percent. I, 99% I agree with you. The 1% difference, it's Joe Burrow. It's like, this is, yeah. this yeah, is a guy who he just like, he could, Mike, like you said, him walking off the, the plane, entering Kansas City, wearing what he was wearing. I'm, I'm on the ESPN website. I didn't even know he said this, but there's a little sound clip, Burrow on his necklace. Quote, I make too much money for diamonds to be fake. Pisses excellence. Like this kid's in the se- his second year in the league, and he was an older uh, graduate. I think he spent four or five years in, in college, so he's about the same age as Patrick Mahomes, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's come into the league pretty much ready to win. He he has it all right now. I mean, the, this like I said, they they're in a a top group of quarterbacks, and and Joe Burrow has kind of shined above them all. I do think he has a lot more to work with than some of the other guys, uh, but I think he he has proven in college and the NFL. Did, did you guys see the clip of the offensive lineman carrying him off the field? The exact same offensive lineman who carried him off the field in the national championship game because they're teammates. Like these are just like the there's just like cool moments happening all around Joe Burrow at all times. Like he has that I don't know that that it factor that the thing that you can't you can't uh, quantify. Like he's he's just that dude. So here's one for uh, for me, and we'll see if he can get this trivia question right. There have been two quarterbacks in history to win a national championship and a Super Bowl. Can you name those quarterbacks? Namath and Montana. Yep. I saw it. I swear hand to God, I knew that beforehand, but I did I did see, what was it? Uh, was it ESPN that put that out? I think so. Or it might have even been, it might have even been CBS in the broadcast yesterday. That's where I heard, yeah. I heard that, I heard that, that fact. And it, what are like to me the two things that are in common with because I don't think that Joe Namath and Joe Montana played similarly at all. But if there was one thing that you could say they both had, it was a a confidence, a swagger, maybe a little bit of cockiness. And now we're looking at another Joe who's got very similar personality traits. It, it's almost destined for him to become the third guy to win a national championship and a Super Bowl. I don't. I, we'll, we'll make picks maybe at the end of, of this episode once we talk about the NFC Championship game, but I think the line right now is about three and a half, four points that that Cincinnati is 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 being given. It's kind of hard to count out Joe Burrow right now. It's yeah. it's it really is. If we're just going to boil it down to okay, I have to make a decision between the quarterbacks. I think I'm taking Burrow over Stafford. It's like these are really these are two teams that have a lot of I'd honestly I'd say the Bengals have more momentum going into this one than the Rams do. Given only because the way that I've seen the Rams play the last two weeks, especially against Tampa, where they practically threw up over themselves and the only problem the only reason they really didn't lose was because Tampa Bay just took advantage of those opportunities a little, you know, uh too late. But yeah, it, I don't know. It's it's this is a this is a really interesting Super Bowl. I don't I don't know if I haven't quantified it yet or summarized it, but it's there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to bite at when when we're talking about this matchup because it's like there's equally things that I like about the teams and that I don't like about the teams. <laughs> Certainly <laughs> well, the coaches. Like I said, I I think that the the interesting aspect about this Super Bowl matchup is it's the it's the lowest seeded Super Bowl between two conference champions. Does that make any sense? What the Rams yeah. were the three and who the Bengals were what the four? They're both yeah. the four. They're both the four? Mm-hmm. Who finished both, third in the both NFC? The four seed. Uh that was the well maybe the Rams did finish third. Had to have been, right? Was it the Cowboys? Oh no, you're right. The Cowboys finished third. Cowboys finished third, yeah. Because the Rams played the Cardinals in the first round. Doesn't feel like they finished third. It doesn't, though. Does I don't think it? They should have. <laughs> it doesn't. And that's that's been the, the strange thing. Not that I want to make this all about the entire NFL season, but yeah. you know, go, going into yesterday's games, I, I, like I said to the person I was watching it with, 
this hasn't really felt like an NFL season. It's just been so weird. There hasn't been a dominant team. There hasn't been a team that's, you know, even Jacksonville as the worst team in the league. It never really felt to me like they were a, a so much worse than everybody else that they were guaranteed the number one pick. And then you get into the playoffs and you've got upsets here, comebacks there, uh, crazy finishes everywhere. It, it's just this has been such an unpredictable NFL season that it only makes sense that the the Super Bowl matchup would be against two teams that maybe going into the playoffs people weren't expecting to come out of their their conference. Yeah. But uh, why don't we switch gears to the NFC Championship game, Jimmy Garoppolo? I love the line that someone said he's like Forrest Gump finding himself like he just shows up at Super Bowls <laughs> like he doesn't really do anything. He just ends up being at the right place at the right time. That's like that is Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think yesterday we could probably be in agreement. That's his final game as a San Francisco 49er, right? Yeah, I was kind of hoping just for the sake that it would be pretty funny if the team just drafted a quarterback with a third overall pick and then the guy that they're willing to trade and want to trade and have been trying to trade just goes out and wins them a Super Bowl. I think that would be a hilarious uh, run of events. But like, I don't think Garoppolo was terrible yesterday. I don't think he was great. Um, that last interception, it killed him. Like that's you, you were trying to make a drive there. And you had a, a very Josh Allen first year in the league type play where you just you just kind of throw the ball up and hope something good happens. And that was like the second or third time that it happened when they were trying to drive. So it it wasn't it wasn't great. Um, but I I don't know the Rams. Like I I want Matthew Stafford to win a Super Bowl. I want Odell Beckham to win a Super Bowl. I think those would be two. I know very wait, very wait, wait, polar opposite yeah. reasons. That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're both really talented guys, and I think they both have a chance. And like Odell Beckham has gotten nothing but like a bad rap from every team he's been with, but he's been right about the quarterbacks that he's played with. Yeah, like Eli was at the end. Baker Mayfield was not good this year. <laughs> And he said it and he got in trouble for it. And his dad said it. Technically. I, yeah, I don't. Oh, man. Now I'm like, I'm all OBJ talk now because I, I totally I keep forgetting that he's on the Rams because I just yeah. I don't associate the Rams with Odell Beckham. I associate the Rams with Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, uh, even Von Miller. I think I'd, before I'd put, I think of OBJ. Yeah. yeah. Nine receptions, 113 yards. He's a I know he's part been of this team. He's been great. He's yeah, been absolutely great. You go to bed and five he, and five, you'll wake up a Super Bowl he, contender. He deserve he deserves it. He deserves to win. Uh, after playing years with Baker, who's been inconsistent at best, it's just I I, I would like to see them win. It's guys who have been other places and haven't won yet. I don't. That, that that's more my point about it. Which is basically what the Rams are because they don't draft their own players. They have right. to either sign them or trade for them. That's they're, oh. they're, they, the, old, the old Yankees. They're, everybody else is a farm system for them. Yeah. You guys saw that last night, right? Since 2018, six first rounders traded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the storyline. It's Super Bowl or bust. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl or bust. And if you lose, to me, unsuccessful season. Oh, how absolutely. much you've been giving up. How much you've been giving up. Like, unsuccessful if you lose the Super Bowl. Yeah, no Especially question the about Bengals. it. Like, it's, you're not going up against the top seed. You're going up against someone... Yeah, that's your equal-ish. Well, and that's that's why I kind of think that this this game is going to be an interesting matchup because if you look at both teams, maybe not necessarily Cincinnati rebuilding over the last five years. I don't think that they're they've gone through like a quote unquote rebuild. I I just think that they've kind of I can't say they've lucked into things because they've earned it. It's just. It happened a lot faster than it should have, but yeah. it's two different ways that you can build a team. Cincinnati's deep with draft picks and the Rams are not deep with draft picks. They've, they've got a lot of guys that they've signed to big contracts or they traded for and they gave their draft picks away, but they've maintained their ability to compete. I think that the only season in which they missed the playoffs was 2019. Yeah. It's kind of, it's weird. Like we've seen, you put like the Rams and the Patriots kind of like in the same category as in the off season, doing huge things to get your team back on track. Not that the Rams had to get back on track. They were just 
they were off by a quarter, you know, they were off by the quarterback and needed a couple extra things here and there. And they gave up a freaking haul for Matthew Stafford, you know, and the Patriots, they gave, they give up, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to give, you know, that's an exaggeration, but a a crap load of money. No, it's it's the truth. Yeah. But to, you know, get out, a. Sorry, this this uh, notification just came up. Kind of threw me off track. Yeah, I see uh, it. <laughs> throwing a bunch of money in the off season to uh, to get your team back on track. It's, but I still don't put. You know, I didn't put the Patriots in as a Super Bowl or bust category. But for the Rams, I do because of those first. We're not throwing first rounders out the door. Like we're. I I think Belichick still had the wherewithal that we still have to draft in the first round to do well. You know, per Mac Jones. They just, they, you know, they, they threw golf like out the freaking window and he was your first rounder, what, 2016. Eh, Mm -hmm. So maybe that's an exaggeration. Maybe that's, that's, I would say that's well, well overdone for his tenure as, as their, as their first round pick, but, but they also paid him. So into, I think like two or three years into his career, they were like, okay, this is our guy. We're going to give him money to stick around. And then within a year or two after giving him that massive deal, they're like, mm, maybe we should reevaluate. Let's go get Matthew Stafford. And I did not look at Matt Stafford as being one of these guys. If, if he was in a situation that was more professional, i.e. not in Detroit, that he would be able to, to lead a team to this. Or just Bowl. even but in game situations. Look at last week. Was he going to be able to come back and, you know, get into field goal range and he was he made a big sure it happened one throw but that was a big freaking throw to make no yeah he he put his balls on the line what does this mean though for for, yeah what does this mean though for san francisco because this is a team that was yeah in their second conference championship in the last three years they were about to go to their second super bowl in the last three years and it really would have you could make the argument that this team has been a Super Bowl competitor three years running, if not for the number of injuries they had suffered last season. So San Francisco is going to find themselves, I think, in a very similar position that the Rams are, where they're just on the cusp of competing for a championship, but they are a blank away. Are they going to hand everything off to Trey Lance now and, and say, you're our guy. We think you're going to be what puts us over the top. That seems to be the case. I mean, uh, we haven't heard a whole lot about Trey Lance this season other than that like one random game he started when Jimmy got hurt. Um, But like from what from what we can all see is if he was better than Jimmy at some point this season, don't you think they would have put him in? Yes. Like I don't I don't necessarily know that they found the guy and obviously he was a raw prospect and everybody kind of knew that he hadn't played football in like two full years. So it is an interesting situation, but I think they've invested too much in him now to go out and pay another quarterback again. Like I, yeah. unless you're, unless you're going to get like a, like unless you go to trade for Rogers, like that, that's really the only situation I think where it would be like a full on upgrade and like worth the risk of you just wasted a first round pick. Well, and I, I, I could see them doing something similar. I, I, this whole Deshaun Watson thing is, is so up in the air right now. But if you wanted to trade Trey Lance for Deshaun Watson, that that's still to me conceivably a, a good move. You could you say, all right, we kept Jimmy. We did what we could with Jimmy. We've got an asset here that we think might be the answer. But if we decide that he's not, we can use him to go get the next one. And I, th- right. I think San Francisco has at least given themselves that ability. I don't know if that's what they would do. I think they've kind of tied themselves to trade Lance. It's you're going to have a lot of egg on your face. If you have to move on from him to go get another, another guy right this year. That's why I think you kind of like, I think you should take a chance on him. I wasn't huge on him on the draft. I think they drafted I think they made the wrong decision in drafting him lucked out for us. Cause we got Mac, but I, because again, he, he hasn't played football in two years. I'm not huge on FCS guys in the first round. Like y- you can have a lot of raw talent, but again, I always say that the the jump between college to the pros very very big, very Classic. big. And there have been there have been I'm not and I'm not going to say there haven't been because again we don't know we don't we don't really know until he gets that shot. So I think he will next year. But and, and there have been good there have been guys that come out of the FCS that have been good. Joe Flacco, Delaware, right? If I'm Yep, Flacco was from Delaware. 
So, so there have been decent guys to come out of come out of the FCS, but we don't know until it's going to happen because it hasn't really happened yet. I think the other thing about the FCS guys too is it usually happens in like year two or three. Because like even Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown came out of Central Michigan. It's not like he was lighting the world on fire. Yeah. It took him a couple of seasons before he really got his feet underneath him. Uh, Flacco, I think, is an interesting case because when he first came into the league, he was winning games, but I don't think he was the reason that they won games. And then he had that run in 2012 where he sold his soul to the devil and has never been able to do anything since. But you give him credit. You know, this is a guy who played his college ball in the in the subdivision and then was able to transition that game over to the pros and and have success. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know a lot about Trey Lance raw prospect. I think he was the youngest quarterback that was drafted out of the five in the first round. San Francisco might like what they have, but if you're going to be taking a step back because your quarterback play is more unpredictable or erratic. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, there's no way that his job security is, is totally safe. I don't know, especially with all the, the, the innuendos and just the blatantly putting it out there that they didn't want Jimmy to be their guy. And it's not just them drafting a guy in the first round. You know, it's com- it's comments like the, Oh, I don't know, you know, if we're going to be here in the next year or whatever on this planet, it's just crap like that. That kind of just, e- e- I think they he's got, a tool bag. Kyle Shane is. is a tool bag. He is. Um, but again, just like all those like little messages and then turning it back on, you know, the people who reported it like, oh, you know, that's out there. Like, you know, we never said that we didn't want Jimmy to be our guy. It's like, yeah, you did. Hello, you drafted the guy in the first round. Numb nuts. That doesn't give it away. But I think they got that year. I think it kind of went as they planned. Like you said earlier, get what you can out of Jimmy G. I think they, if I had to ask them, I bet, I bet they would be willing to you know, admit that they probably got further than they expected to. Um, but you got like a clipboard year out of, you know, out of it for Lance to kind of learn and get used to that. Because again, he's a FCS guy making it to the pro to the pros. So he's got to learn it, sit under it for a little bit. So real quick, I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts on the conference championship games, either the AFC or NFC, but I'll, I'll, I'll say real quick, uh, Jaquiski Tart. First of all, he doesn't even get credit for the pass deflection on ESPN's box <laughs> score. I don't know how that's not possible. He didn't deflect man. it from anybody. Of course he, he did. Right. He <laughs> it no, from himself. Yeah, no one was catching that ball. Man, like, and I saw he posted something on Twitter afterwards about him taking responsibility for, for the play, which I think is a really stand-up thing to do. But like, that's the difference between you going to the Super Bowl and your season being over is dropping an interception that was basically yeah. a fair catch. Yeah. And that would have been think, Stafford's second, right? Threw yeah. In the end zone. yeah. Yes. I, I think uh, the only thing I have left on, on this game specifically is we, we had mentioned Kyle Shanahan a couple minutes ago, but I think between both coaches, I think they both had horrendous games like Sean, Sean McVay using challenges that were so unnecessary and everybody could tell that they weren't getting overturned. Kyle Shanahan not getting Debo Samuel the ball the entire so fourth quarter. Stupid. So like, stupid. It is was, was Samuel hurt great. though. He got hit he got that big hit but he came back in like two plays later. A little ru- yeah. a little ruffled up. He's been I'm ba- sure- I think he's probably been banged up though cuz he yeah, left definitely. last game for a while too. Definitely. I mean that they had Trent Williams playing on like half of an ankle yesterday. It's like they all uh, everybody's hurt at this point in the year. That's 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 a cliche, but like if he's out on the field, you got to do what you can to get Debo the ball because like he is he is your offense. They they only go as far as he will bring you. Not a great day for the coaches yesterday. I would say not a great day for the coaches in the NFC at least. From from what I was paying attention to, a little bit uh, of the AFC too. Sean McVay, though, specifically for me, the first challenge, okay, I get it. The second challenge, you've got one timeout left. You're probably not going to win it based on the video review, and you're getting the ball back anyway. Like it was, was fourth down, they were going to punt it to you. So what's the difference between you recovering a fumble on the 45-yard line down by three or starting with the ball on, let's say, God forbid, the 15-yard line down by three? Like Field position, definitely, but 
to lose your last time out in a one possession game for a conference championship. Unacceptable. Absolutely yeah. unacceptable. I don't know if you guys, you know, saw anything specific with, with any of the coaches as well. I mean, for me, it was just that challenge, especially the second one. It's that's what, you know, we always say bad teams find ways to lose. It's really for this matchup for me, which coach is going to make less dumb decisions and put their team in a better position. It's really, it's really a player's matchup this uh, in two weeks. Seriously. They let them run down the clock too in that game where it came down to like, do you let them run down to two minutes? You wasted like a, a minute 40 instead of, instead of taking a timeout, you let them go under two. Like that's just, it's just dumb. Yeah. It's, and even if we're talking, if we switch over to the AFC for a second, now that I'm thinking about it with, uh, with, uh, with coach Reed, that's, that sounds with Andy Reed. I don't know why coach Reed sounded a little weird. Um, so <laughs> <Coach Reed's good. laughs> sorry, I was trying to put my point together. Uh, so what it was, they got to like the 20 or the, the 30, or the 20 yard line with like the two minute warning. So, you know, Romo is saying like, oh, you know, Bengals should just let him score or this, you know, they're a field goal only ties it. Honestly, you have like the firepower to just get in the freaking end zone and trust that your defense could probably make a play to stop Joe Burrow in crunch time. Put the pressure back on the other team. Score and put the pressure back on the other team. They got way too conservative with it. You know, just like they got, you know, a little too greedy in the first half. Not a good day for Andy Reid either. Clock management strikes again. Almost strike them last week, too. Yeah, yeah I really take that. going to bite him in the ass. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. I, don't know, I was just going to say, if, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't take that sack at the end, like a much easier field goal, like you put him, it was a bad situation that they put they put themselves in. Yeah, you still got to get in the end zone. Like regardless, you got to get seven to take, you know, to take the lead. Like the, right. that, well, That's it. I also gotta, thought it was a little, I also thought it was a little irresponsible. The second play of overtime, you're just going to be chucking it up into double coverage on Tyree Hill. Like I know he's probably, he's your best receiver, but you usually throw him the ball when he's not covered. Yeah. So that he can, he's got space and he can run after the catch. Like that was, I don't know if it was a shot play designed by the coaching staff or if it was a decision that Mahomes made, but you've doomed yourself. You've just given your, yourself new life by winning the coin toss. You're at home. You could very easily score a touchdown. You just did it a week ago. Yeah. Score a touchdown. You win the game. Now you're in the Super Bowl. To oh, be that loose with the football. That's another know, good thing to talk about. Because this yesterday was a good day if you were on the side of being in favor of the current current overtime rules. Make sure your defense is good to go and ready to go in overtime. Yep. Yep. Like yep. Good day to we. Good day to be on that foxhole. You know the other thing that I've always thought. Technically, when you lose the coin toss and the other team receives the ball, you do technically start off with possession. Kind of. Technically, because you have to get to them because they made a good. It's not that that was a bad throw by Mahomes. It was a poor decision, but then it was a good defensive play. Deflected Great right defensive the, play. Deflected right into the hands. You know, it's. You got the was, ball back in overtime. <laughs> it, was, it was a good. Yeah, no, it was. It was. <laughs> it's possible to win games in the playoffs in overtime if you don't win the coin toss. Just, yeah. just kind of yeah. saying that. Uh, me and you were saying before we were recording that, uh, part of the broadcast was kind of grinding your gears. Why don't you hear some grievances on that? Oh, 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 oh man. Woo. Not good. It's like CBS said, Hey, where's the worst possible place we can set up our halftime show behind the speakers of the concert for Walker Hayes. Yeah. Let's throw it over there. Oh my God. Was it a boomer was laughing the entire freaking time. As soon as they, you know, as soon as it was his turn to talk, he literally was like, I don't know if you guys have said this yet, <laughs> but here's what I have to say about the game. Oh my God, was that a tr- absolute disaster of a halftime show? <laughs> so it was just funny. I laughed the entire it, time. I, I I was actually watching without the sound for, for a good portion of the game. And there, uh, that was the only time I've ever gone back to watch a halftime show because, <laughs> because it was such a mess. It was such a mess. And everybody just following along with it on social media, like everybody was just 
crushing these guys. It was it was a terrible decision to put to put the halftime show on the field yeah. when there's usually something going on at halftime. Who know it might be a it might be a kids game. It might be it might be a Red Panda throwing some plates up in the air. Something's going on at halftime all the time, and they yeah. just did not think about that at all. <laughs> Boy, so I don't I, I don't know if we've we've had this this conversation yet uh, since we've started the show. We're been doing it for like a year and a half almost. Do, do you guys have a favorite broadcast for the NFL? I in particular I like Sunday Night Football. I think NBC it has the best production. I think it's got the best uh, announcing team announcing. So you're talking about like all team. all around like pregame, postgame, crew, and the duo. Pregame, postgame, in the game. Yeah, the announcers, the graphics that they put up, the information that they give you. I think NBC knocks it out of the park. Could they be better? Probably. Um, but I, but I think they they blow Fox and CBS out of the water. But to me, it goes yeah. NBC, Fox, CBS, ESPN. Yeah, I think tough. that's pretty much the way I go for it as well. Uh, it's kind of weird, like watching Fox now, because like. We never used to play on Fox. It was always CBS every week, and now you get some some of those games sprinkled in here and there. But I, like I think I think Al Michaels is so far and away above everybody else right now that I think that's what puts that that broadcast over for me. Um, but I do like like Buck and Aikman. Like I think they're actually pretty decent. I think Joe Buck gets unnecessary hate for for, for some of the stuff that he does. Um, and, and CBS, like I I think I said before we started, like I don't. I don't like any of the guys that do CBS at all. Yeah. For me, it's uh, like, I look at who gels well together. Now, if we like broke it down more, like who do you like in the pregame show better? Who do you like announcing better? NBC and Fox. It's like a tie for me. I th- I think NBC probably does a couple of things better, but I like, I love the Fox pregame. Howie and um, yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. Jimmy Johnson. Bradshaw. TV. I, I friggin' love all those guys. Is Strahan still on it? Strahan. It's the, like those guys gel together and they actually like act like they like to be there and like talk to each other. I don't get that from the guys at CBS. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think Buck does get some unnecessary hate. Has he had some stupid, you know, bad calls, you know, in games in the history? Like, yeah. But when I was listening to Toucher and Rich this morning, they were comparing, you know, because the big thing was yesterday, Romo doesn't freaking shut up as a, you know, you don't, he doesn't let the listeners absorb anything. You know, uh, that's what they were saying on uh, Toucher and Rich this morning at 98.5, which is true. Like, yeah, sometimes, like, kind of like go back to like, look at it like as, you know, Pat Summerall, who was probably, I don't want to say he was like the most simplest of play by play guys, but, you know, uh, I don't want to say he didn't have a lot of energy either. He but was he like he you, was like the benchmark. It was yeah. sort of like he let you he want a neutral national guy to call the game. Pat yeah, Summerall will do it for you. Yeah, he let you absorb it as a listener, like hear the crowd and take in the moment for a second. And then you get you know nowadays you got Romo blasting in every freaking minute to you know get something in there, and he doesn't let you absorb anything. So I think NBC and like I love everything about NBC too. Like I love Rodney Harrison. I didn't. I didn't really care for Drew Brees this much. I didn't this year. I don't think he brought a whole lot to the table as an analyst. I didn't think it was awful. I actually liked him and Tariko during the end, uh, the Notre Dame games this year. Um, but it, to me, it's like who has the most chemistry, and it's a tie for me between Fox and NBC. CBS, it's like they just ugh, I don't know. Boomer. That's that's pretty much the only person I like on CBS's uh, broadcast or anything really. It's yeah. crazy how far ESPN has fallen too. Like there, that yeah. that crew is just first of all not. I like good. how we didn't even and, and their that. their production of everything. They always have those these unnecessary graphics that always like the craziest animation for no reason. Like nobody needed to spend forty hours on making these ridiculous. Like let's compare Tom Brady to this nineteen fifties Batman villain from this one comic book. Let's draw the yeah. whole comic book out on the TV. And that is their thing. It's it's more geared towards like pop culture. I haven't really liked. I don't know what it is about Monday Night Football in general. I just don't like it. Maybe it's just not good games, right? Um, But I haven't liked it really since. eh, I want to say since Gruden has been there, but I really want to. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't throw that name in there. (laughs) I don't think that Monday Night Football has been good since it left ABC. Since John Madden and Al Michaels were taken off of it, I think Sunday Night Football. What we like. 
when you started Sunday Night Football on NBC, you had Al Michaels and John Madden. So you were basically taking the Monday Night crew and just moving them back 24 hours earlier. And the production quality was still like the exact same. So Mm -hmm. I think ESPN has some room to grow, but they've got a lot of room to grow in many areas in their company. So maybe some things take a backseat. One of them being what do you, the what do you think of uh, hockey on Monday Night Football? Ugh, it's awful. It's so it's terrible. It's so it, it really is. And I had high hopes for it. TNT, I think, has done a pretty decent job. I like the I like the the dynamic. It seems like the uh, analysts during the intermission, pregame, postgame, they like each other. They have fun with each other. That's the type of stuff that you're looking for in a broadcast. You want to see the, the, the people that are providing the content get along with one another. Make yeah. it exciting. Like, do you guys remember, uh, what was it? It was two years ago when I think on both the uh, Sunday pregame shows for CBS and Fox, they did a Hall of Fame announcement. Or I don't think it was on the same day, but they did a Hall of Fame announcement for Jimmy Johnson, and then they did it for uh, Coward. Dude, if you watch those, you can notice the difference in chemistry. Like they, like they immediately celebrate Jimmy and everything, and they're so happy for you know. It was really awkward on CBS. Like Howard was like, "Oh, this shouldn't even be happening right here." And I think, like, I don't think he meant it like that, but it was still just very like, "Dude, you're getting into the Hall of Fame. You're getting into the Football Hall of Fame. When do you give a shit when it happens?" (laughs) Like they're clearly doing this for a reason, like right now, because this is what you do on an NFL Sunday. You can like that's to me where I notice the difference between those two when it comes to chemistry and do they actually like being with each other? Well, thankfully, two weeks from now, we do get the best broadcast covering the Super Bowl. It's it's going to be NBC covering Super Bowl 56. And why don't we I, I'm sure things will change. Like I said, the line's probably going to change. Uh, injuries will happen. Maybe someone will get in trouble the night before. Who knows? Lots of lots of things can change over the next two weeks. But let's put down our early predictions for Super Bowl 56. Who we think is going to walk away the champion. I I think it's going to be the Rams. I, I, I would love to see Joe Burrow win a Super Bowl. And I, I think it would be really cool uh, to see a, a franchise go from the worst franchise and in, in maybe professional sports and have the first overall pick three years ago and then you're just automatically you're you're right here again because you've nailed a couple good drafts. I think that would be a good a great story. But I do think I do think LA is just I don't know, man. They get they have too much talent. I think I think at the end of the day that that talent will be able to outlast Cincinnati's. I think they win by less than a touchdown. All right. Well, then I'll go next because as much as I want the Bengals to win, I, I think Los Angeles probably is the better team. Looking at how Aaron Donald was acting at the end of the NFC Championship, that guy wants a ring more than anything. And getting back to how Joe Burrow was sacked nine times against the Tennessee Titans, how can we think anything other than him ending up on his backside against that Rams defense? But I'm telling you, this is teams don't teams don't just go from sucking to being good. And not breaking through. Like, I guess it can happen, but it doesn't it just seem like Cincinnati's that team of destiny right now. Like Joe Burrow is kind of taking like there's just there's something about the Bengals that makes me it's not that I'm picking the Bengals, it's that I'm not picking against them, if that makes any sense. So I so I would say I, I'm I'd be more comfortable going with Cincinnati in this game. So I got Cincinnati, Mike's got the Rams. Andrew, you're going to have to break the tie. This is a tough one because players wise, like I would love, I would love to see, you know, I would love to see Von Miller get another one. I would love for Stafford to get one. Aaron Donald. Did you guys see the cut of Donald last night? I think it was the fourth quarter. He was giving a uh, speech on the sideline. That dude friggin' Watts one so bad. Like that's probably the, if you had to ask me a number one player on the Rams, I'd love to see get a ring. It's Aaron Donald just because he's Not been there Sonny the longest. Michelle. Sony, you know, hey, you know what? Didn't turn out to be a bad, bad trade for Sony Michelle at the beginning of the season. He might get a second ring. Um, and he's, I think he's done, you know, he's paid his dues on this team. He's done, he's done things to help him win. Maybe not a whole lot, but again, he's, I always thought he was a good, you know, he can at least be a good number two on a roster. Uh, 
You know, and on the other hand, too, if you ask me which team I like better, I like the Bengals a lot better. I think they have a better story. Went from four and eleven this year, uh, last year to uh, uh, what's their record now? Thirteen and, and seven. seven. Thirteen and seven. Yeah. Yeah. Over uh, right now, speaking ten and seven at the end of the regular season. It's a it's a four and a half spread right now. Obviously, the Rams are are uh, are favored. If you picked them, I think the Bengals could definitely cover. I think they have the most momentum going into it. I'm going to pick the Bengals, but it's oh, it's really tough. It's a weird one. I don't so like somebody, either of the coaches. Somebody but. has made... You don't like either of the coaches. I'm not huge on Zach Taylor. It's, you know... I, but, you know, Coach uh, coach Tight in the Pants, I've never been a huge fan of him. I, Ever mean, since, I think he's a good coach, though. I think he's a good coach, but I think, you know, he did things last night that easily could have lost his team the game. And I think... And, over the last couple of years, too, like getting, you know, getting pantsed in the Super Bowl, first time being there and all that stuff. But you had the highly talented, the more talented team in 2018. And defensively, you guys, you know, got, you know, uh, not mishandled, but handled well. Is that I think, yeah. Right? Well, I think they were outcoached in that outcoached. game. They got outcoached. And- you would you would like to think that if one team has the coaching advantage going into this game, it's probably the Rams. Ever since he has that he had that stupid sideline coach to pull him away when he was getting too close, I'd never liked him. God, that's that just and honestly, getting shots of his dad, you know, on the broadcast last night, dressing just like him with a tight ass polo shirt and those stupid khakis. God, loosen up your pants a little bit. Jesus Christ! No wonder you're no wonder he's always always so friggin' pepped up and hyped up and stuff let the blood flow down there a little bit let your, <laughs> let your member breathe but yeah i mean it's i like the i, I like the Bengals a little bit more as a team oh so this is a weird one this is kind of this is a weird weird super bowl matchup i don't know what it's it is been, about it it's been a weird year it's been a, a strange year yeah. weird year weird matchup in the super bowl hey, if you, if you go with champion. that if you go with the Bengals though plus four and a half i think i think they could cover Absolutely, do I think they'd cover? Yeah. Now I, I haven't watched a lot of the Bengals, but someone said to me yesterday that they are a slow starting team that, that tends to pick things up in the second half. Would you they guys play based on what you've seen? Does that play well in a Super Bowl, though? I mean, do they want to be down by ten points in the second half in the Super Bowl? Is an ideal? No. no. <laughs> but it's but it's it's not ideal. But it's proven that they can. You know. It's proven that they can handle it, but that's the thing is they had to kind of rely. They, they made their plays yesterday against the chiefs, certainly in overtime. I think that was the biggest play of the day, really. Um, Or again, was it a, was it a good play call play call by the chiefs to end the first half? No, but you stopped Tyreek Hill. It's he's not the easiest guy to stop. I think he could have made some shifty moves and anything could have happened on that type of play just because of how freaking fast the guy is. You made your stops, but also the Chiefs kind of mishandled things on their own end, own end. Now the Rams, the last two games, have done that, especially again, especially against Tampa Bay. So that's why I like the Bengals, is because you know who's thrown up on themselves more. I've seen the Rams, you know, kind of shoot themselves in the foot a little bit more than I've seen the Bengals. So are things going to fall the Bengals' way? I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely the reason I could see anybody like choosing Cincinnati in this game. And obviously you guys are both kind of leaning that way. It, it is because like they do the, the Rams have shown in the past that they're not, they're not always on They're They're a team that has, has some holes will make some mistakes. You just need to capitalize on them. And Cincinnati's defense has been, I, I don't know where this came from in this, this whole season, like, since I I didn't think the guys that they have on in this group in this secondary in this front seven I didn't think that they were going to be as good as they have been, uh, and you just need to capitalize on those mistakes. Like you you need to go up and grab a ball like unlike Jaquarski Tart like you you need to go up and, and make sure you hold on to that. Eli Matt Apple Stafford too. will give you those balls. Eli Apple dropped one dropped an easy one yesterday too. Or yeah. in the, on the other hand too, there's he's a guy that you know Stafford and Cup could really pick apart. Mm-hmm. He's not the greatest in coverage. There's it's. It yeah. could be a fun game. It, it probably will be a fun game. I don't know if it'll be a high scoring game, a low scoring game. 
close game blowout, but I'm expecting it to be unpredictable. <laughs> Second Super Bowl at home in a row. That's crazy. I know it is crazy. <laughs> or is it next year? Is it Las Vegas next year? I think it is Las Vegas next year, which oh, brings Jesus. us to a tremendous <laughs> transition. Wow. Didn't even, that's what you call that was a three man weave that like you've ever, ever seen one. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of a way that we could, we could transition it over, but Coming in with Vegas has a new general manager and seems like they're going to have a new coach. Who knows? Unless he gets cold feet getting off the plane. Dave Ziegler, Patriots, former Patriots director, player personnel has taken over as the general manager of the Las Vegas Raiders. And it seems as though his choice for head coach is former offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. They're going to be going to Las Vegas as a pair. Um, for me, it's less about Vegas and more about New England as a New England fan. Good for Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, I guess. I don't know how much success they're going to have. The only takeaway that I would have from a Las Vegas perspective is Derek Carr is not going to be the quarterback. That's the only thing that I can say as far as Vegas. For the Patriots, I know that they're going to have to replace McDaniels. The question that I have for you guys is, in replacing McDaniels, are they also going to be looking at a possible replacement for Belichick? Ooh. It's certainly in play. Yeah, I, I think I, for me, the guy I want them to get and who I think they should get, it should be O'Brien. Like it really should be bringing O'Brien back. I'm not. This is the only thing that the three of us have agreed on like, <laughs> in like in like two years. That has like, nothing to do. That has that's totally neutral. That really milestone. any of us could dislike because milestone. Bill O'Brien is not that great of a coach. But right. we're all on the same page. But he's good. He's good. Yeah, he had a, he had a winning season with freaking Brian Hoyer. Look what whoa, he did with whoa. Penn State. Look, well, no, 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 no. Look, look what he did with Penn State after their disaster. He brought them back to, to semi-relevancy uh, without them being eligible for bowl games or anything like that. Then he goes to Houston and he turns them into multiple division winners, makes the playoffs, like you said, with Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett as his quarterback. It wasn't until he got control of the roster that things started really going south for him. Yeah, yeah. So well, what does that mean, though? <laughs> that's got to be the point where if if you were looking for a guy who could replace Belichick, you're replacing Belichick, the coach. You can't you can't have him be GM. the The reason why I want him, and I don't like Bill O'Brien for like as like I think he's he has that like hard ass mentality. I think he is kind of oh, a hard O guy. Yeah, he's the uh, pot. Right, exactly. Um, but I think he does still coach that similar Patriots style system. And I don't want Mac Jones to have to start over again. Like I don't want him to have to learn a new system in his second year. Cause this, this is where it starts. This is where it starts falling apart for, for young quarterbacks is when you start getting two or three offensive coordinators, two or three systems that guys have to learn so quickly and they don't have anybody to promote. You're not promoting like Nick Cayley. Like you're not, like, I, I don't know who would they possibly promote from the inside. The only other option is one that I've heard thrown out and I don't love it. It's Matt Patricia. <laughs> I, highly I doubt fence. it. Highly doubt I, it. I don't love that. Yeah. It's, you know, and also for Mac and O'Brien, they had, you know, they had meetings last year prior to the NFL, NFL season where Mac was helping O'Brien I don't, you know, not learn the system, but he was teach. He was teaching. Yeah, him. they were working together, though. Yeah, they were working together. You know, hey, what you know, what are the you know, what are the likes, what are the dislikes, what do you guys do, you know, what do you guys don't do? Uh, it's it's the obvious choice. And again, like Bill, is he a great coach? No, but he's a good replacement. Again, who else are you going to pick? And I don't think he's looking to stay at Alabama for however long. You're looking to get back in the NFL when it's guys like O'Brien. I said that about, you know, when he was interviewing for the uh, Jacksonville job, you're getting a guy who has been successful in that division. That's not bad. That's not a terrible decision. No. Yeah. We we've seen how, how poor the coaching is across the league. And that's arguably been one of the reasons that the Patriots have been able to stay so relevant is because they've had consistent coaching. They've had a consistent program. The players know what to expect every time they walk into that building. I think if you go with O'Brien 
offensively, it's going to, it is going to be very similar, if not the exact same. There may be some different wrinkles that O'Brien will have to bring in. And it might not be such a bad thing because he's going to be looking at the talent that this team has. And he's going to say, I had more talent than this in Alabama and I had more talent than this in Houston. So I got to change some things around or we got to get better players or, you know, there's going to have to be something that's different in order for us to get better and not just be the same or take a step back. So do you think he could help rack in some of that? So like for me, it's got to be a number one wide receiver. Like that's what we need to bring in. You need to get bring in a guy with speed on the outside. You need a number one. Does that help in the draft process after this year with uh, oh somebody help me with his name? Uh, Jameson Williams, John Mechie, John Mechie. I think John Mechie's probably a second round pick at best anyway. That's but you know Patriots have had so much difficulty looking at receivers. Now you've got a guy that spent an entire season in the best conference in football. Yeah. With receivers like you could make the argument, I think that the SEC almost has better receivers than the NFL. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, but it, it right. it's pretty close. Yeah. yeah, as far I, as. I, no, I was just going to say, as far as like the percentage of receivers that play versus the ones that are good, like the SEC's, it's got to be up there. But I think he would help. I don't know if he's going to be like the decision maker, like again, how much of a, a decision making was Dave Ziegler during last year's draft? And now you've right. lost him and you've lost Ernie Adams and uh, the well, Patricia after thing last... does scare me. Yeah. But with last year, you know, there was that whole thing where Belichick's a little bit more open now and he's, and he's listening more so that I think he took a lot from Ziegler, which is why that's a big loss. I think Ziegler, I, I look at because of the replacement, like McDan- if McDaniels goes, you can easily Easily, I use that term lightly, replace him with O'Brien. Ziegler's out now. Who's who's that next guy up? What's my guy, special Brian. teams coach? Cam Gord. Yeah, he'll stick around somehow. Oh, good. They they, they still owe him $30,000, so they'll make him like the, <laughs> the, the, the offense. Maybe they'll make him the offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, Here's please. Two, two random thoughts about, about the offensive coordinator search. Uh, one, uh, what Robert Kraft and the Kraft family should do is take uh, the Nick Marr approach, hire Bill O'Brien for a couple years while Bill Belichick plays out his last few seasons, uh, and then you wait for Mike Vrabel to get fired and you hire him to be yep. your head coach. Yep, yep, yep. The other because yep. you other know that's going to happen because Tennessee's not going to be Tennessee is not winning any NFC any AFC championship anytime soon now. So right. you know Mike Vrabel's on borrowed time. Mm-hmm. No, I don't he was ahead of anywhere. Nick was no. ahead of his time with this with this take. This but the two other, years ago, I was thinking this. The other scary thing in my mind is that is the is there a potential for an offensive coordinator this year to be named uh, last name Belichick? I think there is potential. Uh, How much has Brian Belichick been involved with the offensive side of the ball? I, like I don't think we know. He he's kind of been doing a bunch of bunch of things all over the place like a coaching yeah. assistant or a, a team assistant like he's a guy that's guys. up on the box not down on the field steve's yeah. down on the field but brian's up in the box i think it's gonna I don't be know. brian i think that's i i think belichick knows that's his best option who how many years do you guys think belichick has now I mean, I McDaniel's say, leaving. Like, Sorry, go ahead. two or three. I, I, that's yeah. what I want to say. But I, I've been saying that for the last three seasons. I definitely think that it's three years now. I think that he's going to play himself through the the official rookie contract of Mac Jones, which would be four years. So he's got 2022, 2023, 2024. And I think 2024 is probably going to be his final season as as head coach, general manager, whatever the New England Patriots. In that amount of time, if Steve Belichick wants to be the head of the New England Patriots, and I am Jonathan Kraft, not even Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, I'm saying to Bill, go let him go somewhere for three years, and then we'll reevaluate in three years and see where he is. You mean like this offseason or, or like the next offseason or two? This offseason, next offseason. I want him to go somewhere else. I don't want him to be in the same building as you. I want him to be a free thinker. I want him to have to solve his own problems. 
that's the type of thing that they did with Kyle Shanahan. Like Kyle Shanahan didn't just go from being on his, his father's coaching staff, to being the head coach. He went to a bunch of different places yeah. to learn different things. What if McDaniels takes him? That would be your perfect that opportunity. Would, that would be that a perfect would, opportunity. That would also be one of the most ironic things in the world. <laughs> that, wow. I mean, that, that would that really would be, be great. Like, that would be a perfect, like, yeah, we'll see you when, when your dad's done, we'll see where you're at, uh, probably fired by then, but we'll see where you're at. Uh, and then maybe you can come in who knows. And in the meantime, you'd be able to give Gerard Mayo more control. Exactly. It works out for everybody. This might be the Steve. best. It might Steve's be the best preparing himself ever. for a head coach position. Why? We have to start pooling our money together to buy the Patriots and we'll just start <laughs> making the decisions for them. Yep. Starting sure. off with, with Mian's first paycheck that he owes us from Jameis Winston starting oh, yeah. for, for the Saints. Oh my God. I think that's got to be annulled after what happened this season. Yeah. Annulled. I think that's, that's, that's probably fair. Probably fair. Oh. Um, you guys want to get, get to the, or sorry, go ahead. Yeah. It was just, we got like five minutes left to go in, in, in the show, but I think we, we'll probably do a larger show on this down the future. Maybe when the news is officially official. But Adam Schefter is once again reporting things that other people are saying is is false. But I do believe him. Uh, I think we've seen the last of Tom Brady on an NFL field. Yeah, I think he was planning to do like the Man of Arena episode that hasn't come out or something like that. And uh, Schefter got wind of it early and and just released it. I know Darlington. Yeah. I think is pretty tied in with that family with with like. Brady senior and, and Tom, I think, uh, so they probably were able to get that information and it got out there. Not, yeah. not ideal. Yeah. For me, it's like, I just, I have to hear it from coming from Tom. Like, is it probably true? Maybe. Um, I think it, yesterday t- on Saturday, what pissed me off is like, if this is the way he's going to go out, this sucks. Like this blows. Like it just doesn't feel like what he do you should retire. Like just the way like he deserves a better send off than that. Like I'm not saying like Schefter shouldn't have reported it, but now it's like you know, TB twelve is posting stuff on Twitter and now it's taken down. It's like I could not imagine how ticked off he must have been on Saturday. Like that's like, that's his send. Like, it shouldn't be like, it should just come out. Like, it should just be like, he's retired. That's it. And the story goes. Now it's, is he retired? I don't know. It's this. Dad says he hasn't made a decision. Schefter is, you know, is he probably right? Maybe. Yesterday, you know, they were t- trying to talk about it a little bit. It's kind of like ESPN and Schefter made their bed. So now they got to lay in it and they just got to stick because what are you going to do? Retract the story and look like idiots now? So it's kind of that you got to go with it and just you think it's going to happen. I mean, it doesn't seem like any of the media outlets are backing off of it, though. Yeah. Like it's right because it's it's a big story. But doesn't it just seem like really like this? I I don't know. I don't I think he would have preferred to like everybody probably leave with a championship. Yeah. I think he has no problem coming back and playing one more season. I think he really does have no problem. But. He's he hearing could. it from the family and he's looking at the situation in Tampa and he's saying it's probably not going to finish much better than it did this year. Yeah. So it doesn't, this whole season get out doesn't look earlier. like he enjoyed ten- I'd be willing to say he didn't enjoy his Tampa tenure as much as he really probably wants. Like, yeah, maybe his first season. Sure. I think that team just found something and that defense found something. I'm not saying the defense carried him. But to shut down Patrick Mahomes, that defense found something, man. Like, it really bought into something. Like, I don't know what they were drinking and what was in the water, but it worked. But it was the same team this year, and it was like a completely same stupid mistakes and same stupid football team. And injuries definitely played a part of it. But even this year, he just didn't look like he was all that into it. He said it before the first, you know, before the wild card game. He, or, uh, or was it before the Rams game? He's, he said, he's like, I don't know if this is going to end on a you know, on a championship. Right. right. That's not what you hear from Tom Brady. This is a new, it's a new Tom Brady. It's one that's coming to the end. It's and like, maybe, it's, and may finally be at the end. And we've joked about that. Like he's going to play into his fifties, but like 
for the last three or four years, no, like everybody should have that thought in the back of their mind is like, he's in his last years. He's in his last days. When is it going to happen? As much yeah. as we want to joke about him playing in, you know, to his hundreds. Yeah. It's a thought. Well, I have. think that's going to do it for another episode of moving the goalposts. Episode 72. A you ready for this? You ready for this? A Peter Schaefer 72. Oh my God. A Xander Bogarts 72. Matt Light 72. Now is Yasir Durant 72 currently? Uh, that sounds right. That sounds right to me. A we have to be able to get more than just Matt Light. 72. Michael Ryder? Michael Ryder was 73. Ah, shucks. Yeah. Episode 72 of Moving the Goalposts. As always, we want to make sure that you guys are following along throughout the week. You can catch me on Twitter at NickMara94. Mike is available at Mike underscore Masala. Producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan. You can follow him at Meehan A underscore 83. 